The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you guys could tune in today. You know, one of the things that I love about doing a radio show that I still love since I've been doing this since I was 19, and I'm not going to do the math on the air, but it's been a long time. (laughs) But one of the things that I really love is talking to people and hearing their stories. I love biographies. And when there used to be newspapers, now I'm dating myself back in the day, you know, one of my favorite things in the newspapers was to read the obituaries because I would love to read about people's lives and the stories about their lives. And that's why I was so captured by the story of my guest today. Judy Cochran shares her life story in a very personal memoir called 11 Days. In 2000, Judy and her husband, Bill, sold their startup company called i360 for $90 million. And this sounds like a dream come true, right? You're thinking, awesome, cha-ching. Well, just as quickly as the dream started to take off, things started to fall apart. And they went from a gated home on a mountaintop to a beat up rental, no job security, food stamps, everything. It's just a really amazing gripping story. So can you go from riches to rags and back to riches? Well, we're going to find out a little bit about that today. And I'm welcoming Judy to join me and chat about this. So Judy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for talking to us. I'm, I'm loving the book. Um, I'm almost finished with it. And you're going to be uh, doing an event at Unity coming up in like a week and a half or so from the airing of this show. So we're going to talk about that and you'll be able to get into um, a little bit about what's going to happen there. But I want to get Great. right into the book because I I dove into this and I was I've been reading it a lot over the past couple of days. And this story is just, it's crazy. So- <laughs> Let's get a little bit of the setup here. So tell us a little bit about the company, about i360 and what happened. First of all, what was i360? I was trying to figure out what exactly the company did. It was actually a telecommunications company. Um, So back in 2000, that's when we had a dot-com crash, uh, you know, world. And then we went to telecommunications. And um, so this company was actually, it's funny because the software in the company was very much like Facebook. It would, it created platforms, but it was within business structures. So AT&T was interested in it because then they could talk to their people. It wasn't like the social Facebook that is Facebook today, but it was a hot commodity. And um, that it it just, it sold for 90 million to a Canadian company. And um, shortly after we had 9-11 happen, 
we lost investors and um, it just started to crumble. And, you know, just one thing happened after another. And we, my husband worked hard to try to save it and and keep it afloat. But um, at one point we just had to, you know, unleash. Right. (laughs) Throw in the towel. We had to throw in the towel. That's an important lesson too. And, and I wanted to to talk about that as well, because there's just so many layers to this and so many amazing lessons that you came out with, because you can see things from two sides of the coin now, like you were in that position where, you know, you had the nice cars, you described cruising in your Porsche and, you know, had the expensive bags and, and all of that. And then, and then seeing how that changed and also how like the people around you reacted. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so interesting, you know, where, you know, some people do, uh, love to see the person fall, you know, as fast as you can rise. Yeah. And then there's someone kind of pulling you down. Yeah. And I had to uh, study. I studied a lot of psychology back then that helped me with that because it was, I took it so personally. I, I was like, this is, I can't believe people are like liking this. That bothered me, you know? Um, but, you know, I'm a sensitive person too, but I got kind of, I sought greater understanding of that. And that helped me because that is like psychology 101. That is what people will do. They're drawn to that, that crash, that chaos, that confusion. Um, so I, once I realized this is not personal, this is just the way some humans are, you know, then I could let it go. Right. Yeah. Because people do find some glee in yeah. failure, you know, <laughs> and watching. And I think maybe first it's the jealousy of, wow, you know, this person grabbed the brass ring, you know, they, they did it, they made it because of course so many people equate success with money when, you know, we know that that's not really always the case. There's a lot of rich, miserable people out there who really can't buy happiness, but then the glee of seeing the failure, you know, when it becomes a hot story and there's a great scene though, that you, you talk about, like you actually heard a bunch of these women, you know, discussing, like your, your whole story was out there for public consumption and they were loving it just kind of like vultures. Yeah. They loved it. Especially them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My, my country, my country club girls. Um, yeah, they, well, and I was also known for, you know, yoga and, um, meditation and, you know, they, I, I was already preaching Dr. Wayne Dyer all the time out of every, you know, every moment I could and, and the rest of them, all the teachers, but, so their most fun was, well, let's see what she does now with all of this. Let's see how she does. You know, will she just be praying and meditating her way through or is she going to freak out? And so there was that spotlight on me, which was a lot of pressure. It was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, how is my faith today? I don't know. I had to check in with that. Right. You know, and really being tested. And I think that's where the the rubber hits the road, I guess, in a lot of ways. I mean, if you're, it's one thing to talk about like, you know, those beliefs, but then to really use it, you know, when yeah. you really need it and the lessons that come out of that. Yeah. You know, I think that's so important. So did you find that those teachings and things that you had been studying really helped, you know, to s- sustain you at that point? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm at, Yeah. 
all of the tools and all of the teachers. And, you know, we moved so many times in that three-year period too, but I kept my books, you know, Wayne Dyer, Deepak, you know, all of them um, on hand because I would just dive back in, dive back in every time I felt lost. Um, yeah. I'm familiar. I have that bookshelf. <laughs> I have the self-help collection uh-huh. of, of stuff. You know, and then some things that I go back to, you know, speaking of, of Louise and Wayne, we chatted a little bit about this before the show, the show started. Um, One thing I I remember asking Louise was, do, do you think you learn more from situations that you love or situations that you hate? Mm -hmm. And what, what do you think of that? Do you think you learn from things that you really love or do you really learn more from, you know, hitting, hitting rock bottom? That rock bottom taught me a lot. It taught me a lot because a, a lot more probably than the more graceful times. Um, the grit has a way to, you know, kind of open you up. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went on that eleven day house sitting trip because I thought I got to get strong. I knew I had to reconnect to source or whatever current you think is, you know, called running through the universe. I call it God, but um, I knew that I had to realign or else, you know, I was going to fall apart. And, um, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah. Then a pause. I'll tell you what. Hey, it's tough. I've, you know, I've been there. I know what you're saying, but you know, I'm just, just thinking of learning from like successes and from failures. Yeah. It it just made me think of uh, also over the weekend, as I was reading, you know, through your, your book, I read an article from um, this actress, Grace, uh, it was, the show was Grace Under Fire. She was called Brett Butler, the actress yeah. from the 80s. Well, she described how when she was successful and was making like, you know, $25,000 an episode at that time in the 80s, she was making a ton of money. And she said that she was so uncomfortable with success that she couldn't give away that money fast enough. She felt guilty for having mm. it. And, and so she didn't hold on to it. And part of the article was that she was actually a friend of hers started a crowdfunding thing to like help her get off, get out of debt and, you know, back on her feet. And I just thought that comment that she made was interesting as far as success where like you work so hard and then, you know, wow, here I am, I'm making it, but I'm so uncomfortable with this, you know, are people that don't come from money and then all of a sudden you have it, you know? Yep. There's that yeah. guilt. So that Yeah, we made... had that. We definitely had that because both of us didn't come from money. There were no trust funds waiting for us in the future. And um, so we often talked about that. You know, we'd be on some private plane with Colin Powell and some other investors or something. We're like, what the, how did this happen? And it's years of work got us there, but it's still hard when you come from nothing and have all of that. It's like, Am I, what am I supposed to do with this? You know? Right. And There's once we sold, feelings. you know, we sold that company for 90 million, we were going to walk away with 35 million. And, uh, our plans were huge give back things. Um, but, uh, that's just not the way that that cookie crumbled, you know? Right. Like you think I'm going to have a foundation, I'm going to build oh, wells yeah. and schools in, in foreign <laughs> yeah. countries and, you know, all of this, which is great that you, that you were thinking that, you know, you had, yeah. you had those intentions and yeah. then just to have everything, you know, t- 
take a turn, a turn for the worst. So we're going to get up to the 11 days and what happened during that. But as you were kind of going through this whole, you know, things crumbled and you didn't want to give up, like you and your husband, he really wanted to save that company. Yeah. And you had to get to that point where, you know, you said you were ready to throw in the towel. And how yeah. long how long was that period? That was a few years, right? Like you were you're yeah. trying to save it and then just couldn't. Yep. That was three years. And by the time I got to the eleven day trip, um, it, it was about three years and our marriage had taken such a beating at that point that that's what I was saying. I really thought I was gonna go on that trip, get strong so that I'd be strong enough to come back and leave him. Um but you know, that's not what happens. Um, but while he was there taking care of the little kids and kind of falling back in love with that whole role, um, he was working with our attorney and getting ready for a bankruptcy and things like that and was really ready then to let it go finally. Because he was like, this is not healthy for me and this is not the kind of husband I want to be. And so my transformation in the 11 days was happening. And so was his, it was different. There's a chapter in there called the provider. And um, it really highlights how we focus on the main breadwinner as like kind of a debit machine, you know, like where are we at? What vacation can we take? Which, which car should we buy? And um, when he was broke, he had none of that to offer. There was nothing like that to provide. So he had to provide in a different way. And one of his ways was to let go of that company because he knew it was ruining him and it was ruining us, you know, and he right. didn't what know if lesson. I was going to come back, you know, for him, but he knew, but he better do this for himself. And, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was such a good lesson. I mean, and there's there's more rich, in the story. You know? So I don't want to give away all of the <laughs> scoop, you know, and all of the good uh, details um, in the book, because I do want people to read this. I, I think it's such an incredible uh, journey and story of, of survival and, you know, what what can be accomplished and lessons that were learned from both sides, you know, in, in his case. And, and also for you, like you said, he had to come to certain realizations, when to walk away, you know, like no one to hold them, yeah. no one to fold them kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's gotta there's be a tough. chapter. Yeah. There's a chapter yeah, like in as, there, the art of leaving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's what I was kind of leading to is I, I think it's interesting to get to that point where you have to say, okay, look, this isn't working in whatever situation, whether it's a relationship, yeah. um, a business, you know, something like that, where, we, and we don't like to admit that, right? I know. Yeah. It's so it's hard. hard. It is hard. It's hard to be very, very 100% honest at times, right. especially when you're under fire, you know, because you're in panic mode. You're like, please just stop the pain, you know, whether it's health, relationships, or work, career, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're so honest in this book. I mean, you really let it, let it all <laughs> out there and, know. you know pull back the curtain, air the dirty laundry, you know, and, <laughs> and, but in a good way, because I think yeah, it's so, it's brave to do that and, and to let people know that they're not alone. I mean, there's a lot of other yeah. people that are probably feeling, you know, all of these feelings, shame and guilt yeah, and yeah. all of those yep. things. And shame's a big one, you know, oh, it's awful where yeah. I'm a failure, you know, all of these things. 
and I, I can imagine just for your husband too, like you said, being, you know, I'm supposed to be the breadwinner. I'm the big, I'm the man, I'm the, the guy. And then yep. to have that kind of taken away <clears throat> where you feel you're not able to provide for your loved ones, yeah. it's got to be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was very hard for him. Matter of fact, we just had our 33 year anniversary Saturday night. And wow. on Sunday morning, we got a call from a guy that he works for and in a consulting arena. And um, the guy was reading the book and he said, Billy, what? He goes, are you guys like saving marriages or what? Like what's happening with these readers? And I said, oh yeah, no, the Amazon reviews are telling. It's men, it's half men and half women. And they're like, we cannot believe how transparent Judy was, <laughs> but we appreciate her honesty because that helped our family. And yeah, I just, it was a tough one to write. And when I had to deliver it to Bill to say, hey, are you going to be okay if I publish this? For the first 12 hours, he was like, absolutely not. You can't publish this. And I'm like, okay, uh, that's disappointing, but all right, I'll live with it. And then he came out and said, you have to publish this. And I said, why? And he said, you're going to, you might save some lives. You're definitely going to save some marriages and you're going to help people. So we got to do this. And I said, all right, he's all in now. You know, it's, but it is it's out. It is raw. It's, it's, <laughs> it's out. out there. And I, well, I appreciate it. And I, and I love the point of view and the lessons that are shared because I think it's such a, a dream. It's like such the American dream of, I mean, you know, one of the things I love to watch is Shark Tank, you know, and you see oh, the people I love come on Shark their Tank. show, right? And you're so invested in them. You know, you see their pain. They're like in tears. This is their baby. Yes. And then they yes. get thrown a lifeline of, you know, hey, this could work. Um, but then I was reading something that, you know, a lot of times those deals don't always go through, you know, right. and that things happen behind the scenes. We don't know, but you yeah. know, you're rooting for them. You, you want it to be successful. And it, yes. it isn't always... And even if there are failures, I think, you know, there's still like, look, fail up, you know, you can yeah. learn from more, I think, from your failures. So I think to answer my oh, earlier question, yes, you do learn more from, from those situations. Yes. And there's a chapter in there. I don't think you're at it yet. It's called serves you right, but not in a nan in a nana way. You know, like we normally like serves you right, girl. You know, it's not that it's if we do, if we allow the obstacles in our life to serve us right and stop putting them in the wrong category. Like this can't, this shouldn't have happened. You know, this is wrong. If we start to allow to divinely serve us, right. That's where our grit turns into grace. That's where the lessons are learned. That's where the wisdom's gained. And, um, but we fight this. I fought it. I fought it so hard. I, both of us did for three years. We were like, these guys suing us and because we had lawsuits and oh it was just a bloodbath and we went to bed every night going how do these people sleep at night well you know what they'll answer to a higher power than me someday and and that's not even in a mean way i'm saying i'm saying in a graceful way they'll learn their own lessons when they need to learn them i'm not in charge of that and we got to let these let this be and then let it go too so yeah, I'm all about serving it, letting it serve you right. Right. And and letting go of the anger 
that I'm sure must have been just like right, you know, bubbling up in your throat, you know, every day when you had to face all of these obstacles. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Bill was more of the anger guy. And then I was more of the hurt. Like, I wouldn't cry, but I was quietly suffering. And uh, those were our two kind of roles. But, um, but once we started seeing our own role and responsibility in our own life and taking responsibility for, hey, we got ourselves here. We wanted all of this. We drove ourselves for this. We've been, we talked about this in college. We knew we wanted all this. Now we, now we don't like it. Now it's not fun. You know, so we had to, you know, and I was resentful of him when I left to go on the 11 day trip. I thought, what guy sells a company for 90 million and ends up on food stamps? What the, you know, what? And, but, you know, I got to remember I'm the wife that wanted that Porsche, you know, I wanted that house in behind the gates and the canyons. And, um, you know, once I settled down and got more honest and real about that, I was like, okay, this is my game too. So, um, you know, taking responsibility, that's huge. It was huge. Yeah. It was painful. And it was one of those characters on the beach that was a mirror for me. And that asked me the right questions, just divinely, just randomly stranger asked me a question and I get this big aha. I'm like, oh my gosh, I put myself here. I've created this. And, right. you know, I had to learn to forgive myself first. And then I was able to forgive Bill and literally fell back in love with him without him there. And I only talked to him like twice, three times maybe. And he did the same. Didn't have communication with me really either. And then kind of just fell back in love with me. So we could kind of had a clean slate when I came back. Right. You can start, you could start over because you go into your relationship with, with Bill, your husband and what over 30 years. I mean, wow, that's, yeah. that's unbelievable. But you met as college sweethearts. He was the captain yeah. of the football team. And you know, right. how perfect is that? I know you're so cliche. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so cliche. I was reading that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect that it happened to us. You know, and I think that's a lot of my readers love that part because they're like, literally, you're like what, you know, the little storybook picture esque thing. And I'm like, yep. And our three kids. Um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, everything was, looks perfect from the outside, yeah. but you don't really was, know everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. And so it was you, the best thing that ever happened, you know. I'm curious, though, were you um, like brought up in a spiritual tradition of of any kind or like, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, that that was a weird, that was a weird thing. I was just five and I was standing on top of a dresser preaching to my neighbors. I made them sit there and listen to me. And one of the older kids said, you know, were you baptized or something? And I didn't realize what that was. And he explained it. And I went, ran inside, asked my mom, was I baptized? I better have been baptized. I was panicked. And she said, no, we didn't. Your brother and sister were, but we never got around to you. And I said, well, I have to go now. And she said, Judy, you've got to calm down. Well, I did not. And I had her take me and I started studying religion at that age. And then just started going from one thing to the next and just kept studying. I studied, studied, um, with a rabbi, I studied with a priest, a pastor, a shaman healer. By the time I was 16, 
I had all of that under my belt. And so I don't, I've just been driven, you know, when I get an astrological reading, they're like, oh my goodness, you know, you are like the mother Mary, your chart is off. So it's all spirit. It's all spiritual. And so that's where I like to play. It's, yeah, you know. So. No, I agree. I, I I feel the same way where I was always interested in what that was, you know, life after yeah. death, um, all of totally. those things. You know, I always had questions and I, I was brought up Catholic. So I learned, you know, a lot of those traditions. Luckily, I never had like a horrible Catholic experience. It was all pretty good. <laughs> you know, I actually thought That's the nice, nuns were yeah. magical. I thought they were these magical creatures you know, I would ask, but yep. I would ask questions like, you know, is Mary Magdalene Jesus' girlfriend? And they'd say, no, not really, you know, and <laughs> kind of explain their their version of those things. But I think it's it's interesting where people have kind of that that interest in what is, you know, the unseen. Is there really yeah. a loving presence available for all of us? And as you show in the book, you know, I, I think really if you yeah. ask for help, and you want to have those kind of experiences mm -hmm. that you will. And you will that's bring from them. your experience too, right? Oh, yes. You will definitely bring that on. And um, yeah, I had a point I was going to make and I just forgot it. But I, growing up, my dad was always kind of, um, he, he was a genius. So he memorized parts of the Bible, most of the Bible at 11 years old. And so he would always say, you know, we're spiritual beings first, having a human experience second, just like Wayne and, uh, and many of our teachers. And so that just always, that's my driver. That's my driver. So when circumstances got hot, hard, I, I wallowed in it for a while. And then eventually I let it be and I let go and I let my spiritual self rise up. And that's when I started attracting everything that I needed, all the right people, places, things. And, and then, you know, even Wayne, you know, I told you, I met him shortly after this trip and I was wearing this little silk screen, hand silk screen t-shirt saying begin within. And he loved it. And he said, first of all, you got to write this story. Second of all, you should sell those t-shirts at my next event. And I was like, that's an impossibility. I'm on food stamps, Wayne, you know, give me, give me a few thousand and then maybe we can talk about it. You know? Yeah. And he said, no, no, you're going to manifest it. And I said, okay, I, I believe you actually, because I did believe him and I manifested it. And, and he was um, right. He yeah, was right. If you he leave was room. right place, right time. He was, he was part of that synchronicity that kept coming after the 11 days. So, if you leave room for it, it can happen. Yes. Hold, hold that yes. thought. We're just going to take okay. a, a short break. I'm talking to Judy Cochran about her amazing book, 11 Days. And there's also a workbook, too. We're going to talk about that a little yeah. bit when we come back. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back in a minute. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming back to the conversation here, talking with Judy Cochran about her book, 11 Days, very personal memoir, kind of riches to rags, back to personal riches. Once again, there is a happy ending and there can Hmm. be. And we were talking a little bit about uh, before the break, you know, letting, letting things fall and then making room for what's going to be rebuilt. And you were sharing, um, a, a great uh, encounter with, of course, one of my favorites, Dr. Wayne Dyer. I, I always loved to, to talk about Wayne. And he, he said, look, let it, let things happen. You know, you can do it. And, and yeah. you did. So I wanted to talk about angels too, because I'm sure Ain, Wayne, Ain, <laughs> Wayne was kind of an angel <laughs> uh, in your life, right? At that point, like, oh, he, yeah. he showed up and had some great advice. I mean, do you really believe that we all have angels or what, what's been your encounter or experience with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you get to the last chapter, get home, that's, that's where they, they flood, they come flooding through the gates there. Um, but yeah, I have had so many experiences in my life where there's human angels that are just divinely plopped onto my path. And then there's, um, you know, the more mysterious, just the signs that keep aligning up, lining up, you know, the 11 days, every time I'd get a bottle of water, it was like 101. And, you know, I'd see a mile marker, 111, just happened to see that one, not all the other millions on the drive there. And um, yeah, Wayne was definitely one of those. And the people that I met on that trip were all, I felt, very sent, you know, sent from the the realm of the other side. Um, because when we ask, you know, it is given. And I was asking, I was screaming quietly, but I was screaming for help. And um, the right players came in at the right time. And yeah. at this point, so we're talking about the 11 days and, and what we're referencing is where, so all of this all of these things happen, all of, all of these, you know, horrible things with the business and everything. And so Judy had to kind of get it together and was thrown a lifeline of an 11 day house sitting job or adventure in Santa Barbara kind of came at the right time. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about making that decision to take care of yourself, put yourself first, have some self care. And that's something that I think, especially as women, we just do not do. And yeah. it's so important. But you you made that decision and you know went on this adventure. So yeah. you really put that as a priority, right? Where you have to, you know, it's important to take stock, open yourself up to awareness and, and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And I remember calling a girlfriend at that time and I said, You're not gonna believe what happened. I talked to this 
medium and she's got somebody who has this bungalow in Santa Barbara. I'm going to be able to go for 11 days and house it for animals. Like this is so perfect. And she said, Oh, great. When are we leaving? And I said, no, 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 I'm no, I'm going by myself. And she said, why would you do that? I'm coming. We're bringing wine. We're going to get hammered. This is going to be fun. I'm like, no, that's not, I'm not having, I, I can't have a trip like that right now. I need to do work. Like this is serious. And she was so mad and did not understand about self-care because you're right. Women tend to, you know, put themselves on the back burner. I think this pandemic might've kind of woke us up and said, uh, you taking care of yourself yet? Because this has been a scary 18 months for everybody. Um, and a lot of people are pushing courses and retreats and things about this. Thank God. But, um, yeah, I kind of, I knew I had to do this and I had to do it alone. And there's actually um, a part in the book, I don't know if you'd want me to read it, but sure, where it explains right when I told Bill um, that I was going to go, he was like, you're kidding me, right? You're leaving me with three kids, 11, nine and seven, and I'm going to take care of them and you're going to go to the beach. Like, no, you got So here's this paragraph. I says, for a second, I thought about how hurt he was by all this. And then I somehow popped out the other side and started feeling more comfortable with leaving. Not for him, not for the kids, not for the money or lack of, not for love, not for punishment, but for me, finally. For the first time in a long time, this felt more right than anything I had ever done. I knew it would be hard to leave them, but I also knew if I didn't, a part of me, a big part of me, would stay broken and wrecked, and for the rest of my life, I would live in an emotional house out of order until I couldn't stand it any longer, which is when I would finally leave him. So it was, I knew, I just knew. You had to put the house in order. I did. I had to get the house in order, and that means get my own house in order. And you know, when I came back, I was such a better mom. I was so chill, you know, and I was just a, so much of a, a more present wife. And I had no blame shame games going on. I was done with that. And right. um, yeah, it was important. And it's important for all men and women. And I'm telling you, half my reviews are men. Now I have men that are doing their own 11 days or four days alone they're doing work because we know there are times in our life when health, wealth, relationships, self-expression gets all out of whack and we've got to bring it back. And it's a gift we give ourselves, yes, but it is a gift to all the others in our life. So yeah, it should be mandatory. I mean, and everybody will will benefit, you know, all of the the people around you. If you, if you do that, you know, if you take time to get quiet and you're right, I think, you know, people have been talking about what are some of the, you know, hidden blessings of this whole nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) My my husband calls it this (laughs) dystopian nightmare that we're going through of of the (laughs) pandemic, but there have been definitely some pluses where people are able to stop. A lot of people have heard this for the first time, look Mm -hmm. around, spend time with kids, family, or significant others and really realize that that is what's important, what That's money it. can't buy, and that we yeah. need to really nurture that and give that space and love that it deserves. Yeah. And and you talk about that um, in the book and also in the workbook, giving people 
you know, steps to, to help get there. And, you know, one of the things, I mean, people talk about meditation practices, um, you know, and I know you've, you've used this in your healing process. I mean, how, how is that kind of coming? How did that come together? Cause I know a lot of people fight that like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't sit there. But what I've found over the years in trying to like cultivate my own practice is that I'll meditate folding the laundry or doing yep. like a mundane task or <laughs> something like that. Or walking, you know, I like to do a lot of walking and mm-hmm. just listen to nothing or drive in silence. So I think you can have meditative moments, not traditionally. Yeah, agreed. And that is how my first meditation experience was washing the dishes, mm-hmm. literally. I, one, three, and five year olds tied to my calves, looking for snacks, you know, wanting me to stop washing the dishes. And I practiced there. And I often tell people, because I'm an alignment coach, I'm a hypnotherapist, I, I tell people, you're already meditating. You meditate all the time. It's like hypnotherapy. You're already in self-hypnosis half the time. You're at self-hypnosis at red lights, usually. You know, So it's not scary. It's not hard. It is part of your day already. Let me help you see that. You know, that's, that's yeah. kind of... That really is true. I mean, we're so unconscious half the time. I remember I I used to have a big commute when I was working for my previous company and that was like 45, 50 minutes every day. And I'm sure there was many times I'd wake up, oh, I'm here. Yes. Like I was an autopilot, you know, half the time. And uh, that That, that actually happened a lot, you know, so I would just get in that space. So you're right. We can, you know, get in that space, but- being more aware of it, I guess, is the key. Yeah. Not just zoning uh, out. <laughs> it's still helpful to zone out though. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, that is, that's hypnosis right there. Um, what I love about an intention of a meditation or hypnosis is, you know, you can kind of set the playing field. You know, it's like walking into a labyrinth. If Right before you take your first step, you can set the playing field. What's your intention? Um, that reminds me of Wayne's book, The Power of Intention. It's powerful. So, um, but yeah, and I, nowadays I'm meditating to an air conditioner sound. I'm not even listening to music anymore. I don't put that kind of effort into it. Um, it's just real brass tacks and it's, I'm just raw and I only do 15 minutes. I don't usually need to go over that. And if I can just do 15 minutes once a day, I can, the whole day feels different. I miss it, I can feel it. It's weird. Yeah, it does. It makes a difference. And you talk about some other modalities in the book that you introduce people to. Um, Like you're pretty open of consulting, like you mentioned a medium, you know, talking to intuitives, um, maybe Mm -hmm. using cards. I mean, I have like a collection of all different (laughs) kinds, Oracle (laughs) cards, tarot cards. You know, I pull my own cards. People say, how can you do your own reading? I'm like, that's the best, you know, who's going to give you a better reading, but yourself, you know? Um, and, and I think that's okay to use those kind of tools. And when you work with people though, do you get resistance there sometimes, or are people open to hearing about exploring some of those things? I usually attract people that are already open, um, just because that's an intention that I said too, you know, um, yeah, there's people at work that, you know, in my corporate world that are like, what? You know, um, but those aren't my clients, you know, those aren't my people, um, today, you know, 
So I don't worry about people with resistance. It's I really honor that everybody's on their own beautiful path and we're probably all going to the same place, but I don't know. I mean, who knows? You know, we don't know till we get there, right? Um, we don't. <laughs> and I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people, um, or I've heard different teachers say, uh, I won't, I won't mention names, but I remember one teacher that said in the afterlife, everybody's 33 years old. And, and she had like this whole vision of, of what she thought it was going to be. And I'm thinking, how do you, how do you know that? You know? And I think the most honest answer to any of those questions is I don't, I don't yeah, know. We don't. And we don't. we'll find out all of us as part of this human experience. That's one thing we all definitely will find out at some point hopefully a long time from now. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think, I think it's interesting how some people will have very distinct ideas of what they think that will be. Yeah. And I, I love Voltaire's quote. My dad used to say it all the time. It's certainty is for fools. And I feel foolish when, you know, cause there's times where I'll see signs and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have the answers of the other side. You know, I, and I want to say, but then there's times where I'm like, oh, okay, all right, settle down, Judes. Let's, <laughs> Certainty? That's that's a lot. We cannot have certainty because we are not on the other side. But so all I'm trying to do here is just create my own heaven on earth here. You know, that's my job. And right. um, you know, there's a whole thing in the book about get home, and that has a meaning of going to the other side, because I made a dying writing professor, and so we talk about his departure that soon comes. And, um, you know, that, that was, that makes sense talking about get home, get, go to heaven. And, but he, he turned the tables on me on the last day and I saw it in a different way. And it was about more heaven on earth. And that was probably one of the greatest lessons in that 11 days. So you definitely have to finish the book, but, yes. um, I'm excited yeah. to finish the rest. I want to hear what happens and read all read all the characters because I've met some of them, and I, I love the hottie. Oh, and there should have awesome. been pictures because I'm <laughs> I don't know I'm thinking Chris Hemsworth. Oh yeah, looking. yeah. <laughs> am I close? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but he he turns out to be a, a great friend and teacher too, and the professor who's on his his end of life you know transition journey. And you, you meet him a little bit later. Um, yeah. I mean, out of all of the, you wouldn't say one, would you say he was the most impactful teacher over that time or they all had their place? They all had their divine place. Oh yeah. They all had their divine place. And the hottie, he got me up on stage and cause he was a guitar player, had a band and um, he just got me to scare myself to death and then push through it. Um, and Bayard, the, the writing professor was, well, what a beautiful relationship, yeah. you know, what a, yeah. what a, a gift that all you were, them. that you were given. Yeah. All of those people. Yeah. And, and he, I even meet a homeless man who was a more preachy than the minister I met, you know, and, um, it just, yeah, they were all just so perfect. And they all taught me different things. And how yeah. interesting where, you know, you had said your friend was wanting it to be like, you know, girlfriend's wine, wine week, which could be fun, yeah. but you would have oh, never yeah. met those people no. if that had been the case. So nope. 
I would not have met them and been able to tie all these things together because the loss of money, the failing relationship, my health taking a dive, all of those things were linked to other things. They aligned with things in my life that happened previous that I had not healed all the way through yet. And so if she had been there and we were drinking, I would have been numb to like this clarity that I got. And, you know, I attached, I didn't realize that the loss of money was actually attached to when I was nine years old and I accidentally burnt the whole top floor of my house down. And I thought I was over that. I'm a hypnotherapist. I've done tons of work on myself. I do, I'm a Reiki master. I've, you know, I've done a lot of work. I'm like, why is this coming up? But I was holding on to that loss and just basically repeating it. And it was unnecessary, you know? Right. So I was able to let that go. And, you know, I am all for girls' trips and uh, wine and music and fun. <laughs> it's all fun. This one, I needed to get grounded. I needed to realign with source and and that's that's what happened. Yeah, you had to just grit your teeth and kind of go, yep. you know, into the breach and and face it. But how how interesting when you tie these things together, how many things that we bury in our own lives that will come back and rear their heads, you know, at at certain yeah. times, whatever the trigger may be, that if you don't heal those wounds, they're still there, you know. Yeah. They're still there. They come back. And Joseph Campbell used to say it, you'll find yourself your sacred self over and over and over again. And that I got more comfortable with in the 11 days. I'm like, okay, so it's not that I'm done, you know, I'm going to I'll always be peeling peeling back these layers of healing opportunities. And so now I'm open to it, you know. Right. And that even in that, that's such a great lesson too where boy, we fight change, don't we? We don't want change and transition. You know, you just want to chug along and it's all going to be the same. And of course yeah. it never is. It is not. So we yeah, have to we're... get comfortable with that. Yeah. And the human part of us doesn't like that. Our spiritual self is fluid. It's like, bring it, let's go, you know, pandemic, fine, go meditate, get your, you know, get a grip, get, get grounded. Um, but our human self is like, uh oh, you know, just wants to fight it the whole way. Right. And one, one of the other things you share um, in the book is the, you know, importance of gratitude. And I think it's mm. easy to say, oh, be grateful, you know, in those kind of platitudes. And you're like, <laughs> grateful, I'm losing my house. My car's <laughs> dead. You know, how, how are, am I supposed to find any kind of gratitude within yeah. that? You yeah. Know? But, yeah. But you can, right? I mean, if you look oh, hard enough. Oh, gosh. There's a scene, well, I call it a scene because I'm writing the screenplay right now for this book, but um, there is a scene where I'm in that uh, rental house, which we call Whorehole, and um, I'm reading a book on gratefulness, and I'm furious, absolutely furious, because nothing lines up for me. I, Everyone else is, you know, thriving around me, and I'm, I keep going deeper and deeper into the grit. And I whipped the book across the room and it made a hole in the rental wall, which I thought was so funny. And I'm like, well, you know, okay. Uh, that felt better, strangely. And um, it was like my first action to just being angry because I had just been hurt and wounded and suffering quietly. 
now I was like starting to fight and I felt like it was kind of a first sign. So, but anyway, um, yeah, I just feel that very hard to stay grateful when you're going through it. Um, but there is something that helped. I forgot about the gratefulness. I set that aside and, uh, I mean, I was grateful for my children, healthy, you know, that I could do that. That was a hundred percent. I could believe that. But then I moved into appreciation because I was like, okay, what can I appreciate? I can appreciate a roof over my head, even though there's cockroaches and things and mold. Um, but it's still a roof. It's still a roof and it's hot here in Arizona and we need the shade. So I would take baby things like that. And then my breath, Oh, I just took another breath. I appreciate being able to take a breath and then I go to the next thing and I just, it would start to build and, um, and it was believable stuff, you know, because you're right. It's so hard to be, you know, I never say that to people who are in suffering mode. You should find one thing to be grateful for. I would just never do it right? because it like, doesn't work. I'm grateful work. I'm not punching you in the face right yeah. now. When you say exactly. That. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny if people do try and they mean well, you know, well, be grateful, but yeah, just taking it little, little pieces yeah. at a time, right. Or I'm okay. I'm yeah. grateful for this. I have something to eat, you know, Yep. and just moving yourself into that space yeah. for, for a little bit. Just a little bit. Get yourself like a little reprieve of just appreciation. Right. And it's interesting because the last 18 months, I have upped my appreciation practice and I've added it to my hypnotherapy and things. And so that has really helped catapult manifestation. So, yeah. And it's the appreciation that I think is really tuning into it. It's just, it's crazy. And that's part, so you're, you had been supporting, you know, yourself and your family through um, hypnotherapy clients over yeah. the years. And so you've incorporated that still into your teachings now, Yes, your, your workshops and things. So while, so while we have a few more minutes left, you know, I do want to talk yeah. about the event that you've got coming up and it's happening at the end of this month and you're going to be, you know, taking people through a process so let, let's talk a yeah. little bit about that. It's going to be at Unity um, mm -hmm. in Kansas City. So people can go to um, unity.org and then click events and find out more about what's going on there. So mm -hmm. uh, just tell us a little bit about what you'll be teaching and what people can experience. I'm going to be teaching a self-hypnosis technique that, you know, I've just kind of uh, tweaked over the years and added intention uh, and affirmations and appreciation. And um, basically, I, I want this over the, it's a Thursday to Sunday. Um, I want us to kind of relearn how to invest in rest so that it really can kind of clear our plate. And then I want to teach some self-hypnosis on all the various areas of our wonderful, magnificent lives. So I want vibrant health and magnificent wealth and beautiful relationships, and then perfect for them, for each unique, unique person, self-expression. So I want to hit those categories. And if there's one more prevalent in one's life, then we're going to nail that down. But um, I want to hit all four if we can. 
for balance and um, just teach new ways to kind of settle the nervous system down, clean the slate, and then rebuild back up what we do want. I mean, the name of it is your future looks good on you. And it can, if you can just let go, just almost seek understanding of yourself, of others, and of the circumstance you find yourself in, whether it's health, wealth, relationship, or self-expression, but just seek that understanding, clear the slate, and then build from there. So really life management skills and and techniques, and this is for men and women, right? This isn't like, you know, women's only thing. Anybody can benefit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Couples even. um, Yeah. I'd say 18 to 98. Those, that's my reader's uh, ages. (laughs) 18 to 98. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a, a big a big spectrum of uh of ages is. and, and experiences. Weird spectrum. Weird spectrum. But, but anyone can benefit. That's that's what's so great. Oh, and gosh, we all yeah. we all need to learn these coping mechanisms and some of these skills because hey, it, it is tough out there it is. in the world today. Yeah, we don't want to get caught up in all the external chaos and confusion that's going on. I mean, we can study it and look at it for short periods of time, but we can't take it on. Like we cannot bring that into us and think that our health, our wealth, our relationships and our self-expression is not going to be burdened. You know, so I want to, I want to teach how to stay engaged in the world because you're human, you're having a human experience, but more from a spiritual perspective of just really letting the power that's inside you create what you do want, not what you don't want. And it's hard when you're looking at the news. It is. Go on that news, you know, a boycott. I mean, I have to do that sometimes too. Oh yeah. It's so important what you're teaching. I love your story. So people can get your book 11 days available on Amazon or wherever you get your books these days. Yeah. It's on audible too. Oh, awesome. And so uh, let's get your website out there too. So people can visit you there. Yeah. If um, yeah, just go to JC Cochran, C O C H R A N E.com. And uh, you can find all my info there. And then I have a company called a warehouse. Um, And that's connected to this website. And uh, I have uh, a drop-down box called Retreats. And that's where you can also get more info on Retreats as well. And you can buy your ticket there too. Perfect. Well, I hope our paths cross sometime very soon. And thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, 
available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down. <laughs>